Say that the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. It's not a real show. I'm under protest, as he often is. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I don't even know what's going on. I'm confused, as he often is. <laughs> We're all kind of in our normal state of me trying to pull this off, Glenn protesting, and Jed being befuddled. Yep, yep. It's daylight. It is daylight. This is a rare rare oh lord please let it never happen again rare <laughs> tuesday afternoon record that's scary we uh somebody whose job it is to schedule these recordings who's me <laughs> forgot that this next upcoming weekend was a holiday oh. so uh people out of town barbecuing visiting yeah. with family whatnot on the memorial day weekend means we can't do our normal sunday evening record Right. So we had to scramble up with something, and we lost a man in the process. Brother Lee Younger is uh, not able to join us for this particular show because he has an actual day job <laughs> where you have to be doing things between 9 and 5. So you're saying he's being lazy. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, Lee, I stuck up for you. That's right. the main thing. Yeah, I'm not throwing around accusations. Yeah. Jed, Jed stuck up for Lee so hard that he invented the word stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he both I, stood and took up for you i don't let grammar or the dictionary define right. how i love people that's right Dave. i don't accept any limitations on my love you or don't. definitions <laughs> your your love goes beyond words Jeff. it does it must <laughs> oh, be a pity man. for matt that his doesn't more than words <laughs> I just falsetto my way through that. <laughs> oh man, I look I can handle paying rights to certain people for songs on this show. I don't know if I can handle paying off word uh, rights to too extreme or whatever the heck that's that band the name that was. Yeah. When I was eleven years old, that album, that was the greatest thing of all time. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Weren't they like a serious rock band? Oh yeah. And then the only song they're known for is the oh. acoustic feelings ballad. Yeah, totally, they've that's got, got a sting. They've got a, uh, an electric guitar version of "Flight of the Bumblebee" on that same record. That's outrageously good. That nobody knows about. Yeah. Well, I'm under protest because it's not a real show. Yes, because Lee's not here. Lee's not here. But is Lee's it, here in our hearts. Is it because is it not a real show because Lee's not here, right. or is it not a real show because you're not wearing headphones? Both. Uh, which which order? Because you know when I the first thing I said when I came to the studio. No headphones. What are we even doing here? So, yeah. You know, I'm already discombobulated and disoriented. It's a lot to deal with. Lynn said, give me the cans. Yeah. And there were no cans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Huge grains of cans. Part of my process. Sure. sure. Uh, so, you know, it, it's we're dealing with a lot, but uh, I think we should bravely soldier on. It's what Lee would want. It's what Lee would want. Sure. So, you know. Yeah, well, we've got um, uh, we got a special show, and we've got a bridge worship service we got to put on in a few hours here, so we're going to get to it. Woo! We have, Ooh. by popular demand, and by popular, I mean we said, 
Uh, we don't know what to do for this show. We got to record on Tuesday. Maybe we should do a stories thing. What's and Jed, easy? And Jed's <laughs> wife said, I like those. So by highly popular demand, yeah. which is really the most important kind. Yes. Certainly in my world. Doing a reprisal of something we've done before, which is a little stories from the front line special. We realize that when if you just read the blogs and hear some of the podcast, you hear passing references to what we do during our day jobs, but you probably don't get the full picture right. of the uh, the colorful world yeah. in which we tend to operate when we're not yes. uh, behind the microphone here. And, and a lot of those answers really come from our experiences. Absolutely. You know, that our our uh, our theology, but our viewpoint on life and the, the way that we help solve people's problems, all that is really in in a lot of ways based on our mission field. No doubt. Um, sure, and people have expressed that a fair amount of what they like about uh, the podcast and the blogs and stuff is we tend to have a little different angle on stuff than you might hear from mm-hmm. your normal kind of church and especially suburban church angle. And part of that is the... Uh, the arena in which most of our counseling is done. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a little different than sitting down at your uh, your suburban coffee shop. Right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we and we actually we sat down to kind of look at kind of what kind of stories we were to look at this time, and a theme emerged as it sometimes does, and that theme was conflict. Ooh. Which you probably haven't heard a lot of. Speaking of things you don't hear a lot about in the suburban church, right? You probably haven't heard a lot about healthy conflict and how to do that. You yeah. probably just heard a lot of. You should probably you just forgive. Bury you got to forgive. Forgiveness is good. Taking those feelings and bury them just deep down inside, them inside you know, way, way hard, way down. Push, push them down until <laughs> eventually they turn into an ulcer. Yeah, that's great. That's what Jesus wants. Yep. So we're going to tell a few stories about um. What conflict looks like in our day job world, how that may look a little different, maybe what we've learned from some of that. Yes. And Glenn, if I can, I'd love to get you to start us off with one of my favorite stories of wandering, not wandering, but being in the neighborhood and being where conflict I should not finding be. you. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, uh, this was uh, many, many, many years ago uh, when I was still fairly new to Chicago. I'm in... Um, uh, Cook County Jail. I'm working with uh, some guys there uh, from a particular gang called the Latin Kings. And at that time... Uh, no relation. Uh, exactly right. <laughs> uh, that's good. good, good. Well played. Just got to be clear for the people. Yeah. I, 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 probably no one was making that assumption, but yes, yes, that's correct. Um, uh, but yes, uh, uh, was able to uh, lead a, a, a gentleman to the Lord there. Uh, who was part of the Latin Kings organization, uh, had a lot of power within that organization. And um, uh, this is a jail service where where we're doing this. Uh, People in jail are awaiting trial. Once they are sentenced, then they are sent to a prison, prison, and that's done. So so they're probably held, you know, for just a couple of days before they get tried, convicted of an actual crime? No, they're often there for a couple of... Years or more waiting trial, but they they're in it. So they're in like a a cell with the right. bars and whatnot. Yes, they have not been convicted. Been of, of, yeah, trial. not convicted of anything. Yes. Well, that's interesting. Well, to jump in real quick, when we work behind bars, we do a lot of that. Typically, on average, when we're working with people, they've been in Cook County Jail for between a year and a year and a half. Right. Typically, right. When still awaiting trial. Awaiting trial when we meet them. That's right. So um, we have uh, so uh, led this brother to the Lord, started a great relationship. He says, here's the problem I have. 
I have a younger brother who is uh, out there in the neighborhood doing all sorts of chaos and mayhem, and I worry about him. And the, the other problem that I have is I'm going to court tomorrow. I'm going to accept uh, a plea bargain a deal, and uh, I'm going to plead guilty in exchange for that deal, and then I'm going to go be sentenced and go downstate. So you and I won't see each other again. Downstate in Illinois meaning going to a state prison. Yeah, that's right. You're going to be sent to a state prison. Exactly right. So I knew this was basically um, the last time I was going to see him there at the jailhouse. And I said, well, where's your brother? And then he gave the location. I won't mention it on the on the podcast, but it was basically the headquarters yeah. of this organization uh, here in Chicago. And um, that's a very highly prized uh, thing to be able to talk to the guys in that particular area and have their positive feelings going towards you. That's what you want that. You don't want their negative feelings. <laughs> yes, that's right. So I said, well, I tell you what, it, uh, can you call him collect? Because they have like a pay phone on the, on the prison uh, deck there. Uh, can you call him collect and let him know I'm coming? And then, you know, um, then we'll, you know, we'll, I'll go see him. And he said, yeah, I can do that. I said, all right, do you make the phone call? I'll start driving. I'll, I'll leave out of here and do it. Extremely, extremely bad idea, really. I mean, you want to set it up much more carefully over a much longer period of time. But it was a calculated risk and, and one that I thought would pay off. Uh, so I, and you're still here, so <laughs> yeah, it, it worked out. So I, the, my guardian angels are exhausted. Sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so uh, I pulled up into the neighborhood, uh, parked on the street corner, and at he, night, yeah, at night, yeah, because that's normally we do not do. Yeah, no. oh yeah, no, yeah, and this was in a housing project, which is you never, never do that, even during the day, really, uh, with a housing project here, here in Chicago. Um, pulled up and um, uh, a gentleman Just came out. a white out. guy in a pickup truck pulling into the neighborhood at night. Yeah. A uh, gentleman came out to greet me uh, with a, 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 a pistol in his waistband. Would you describe this gentleman as sober? No, he was uh, <laughs> a little bit bubbly. And he was asking the, the standard question, uh, what you be about, which means what gang are you affiliated with? And um, generally speaking, I, I, I am I'm not affiliated with any gang. I'm just a freelance person just here to help the neighborhood in a general uh, spiritual way to help people self-actualize their potential. That's usually sure. the, the signal for start shooting. Yeah. And so um, I sort of uh, gathered myself together, and I said, uh, my name is Glenn Fitzgerald. I'm a man of God. I work for an organization called Mission USA. I'm here because I talked to Big Tony, changing the names here, but I talked to Big Tony at Cook County Jail That's tonight. That's not his real name because this was not The Sopranos. Exactly right. Uh, I talked to Big Tony in the jailhouse tonight. Uh, he asked me to come and speak to little Tony. He's called ahead. He's expecting me. I want you to go find him and bring him here. <laughs> Not normally the way to play that situation. No, uh, but um, he he took a moment to think about that and maybe had just enough to drink to where it sounded like a good idea to him maybe. Went and got the guy and brought him over and everything went really well. And we were able to establish a great working relationship in that neighborhood. But... 
um, you know, that's the, the, the we have uh, these moments where um, we have the appearance of a conflict. We have a, an appearance of this is uh, gone sour and this is what have you. But I think sometimes it's about having a vision of how to get past those conflicts and how to, um, you know, move the spiritual stuff forward as opposed to, you know, my ego being in it, my fear being in it, my pride being in it, or any of those things. Well, on the pride being in it tip, I'd like you to share a little addendum to this story. Glenn was telling the story in a classroom at the very prestigious... August Moody Bible Institute. Yes. It's the finest education a young Christian can receive. As I understand it. If you're if you're not sure, ask ask them <laughs> yeah. over there. Uh, so he there when Glenn has told this story a couple of times, and I've heard this too, at kind of speaking gigs and training things, he'll stop at the fellow asked me what you be about, and then he'll throw it up into the audience of what would you say? Which often, as I responded when I was in an audience to that it's just dumbfounded stares. <laughs> there, there was a young gentleman at Moody yes. who thought he had an answer. Yes. What was his answer, Glenn? His answer was, I'm from Moody Bible Institute. <laughs> this fellow thought he'd be in the neighborhood at night, guy with a pistol, what you be about. I'm with the Moody Bible Institute. He figured he, he could name drop Moody, and that would pretty much protect him from all <laughs> any kind of harm that might come his way. And uh, nope, that was one of those. Oh, honey, no. Yeah, moments. I don't think so. That's how that would have gone from potential conflict to actual mm. conflict. Yes, you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. So speaking of again, going to an an actual conflict, Jed, why don't you tell us about the time you wore your cash shirt to the bridge? Oh my goodness. Well, um, I uh, when I had first started volunteering with uh, Mission USA and the bridge service, uh, I started as kind of a, a volunteer worship leader that needed somebody to come in and lead some music. And um, I'm a pretty big Johnny Cash fan, um, as anyone with taste ought to be. And uh, I had, at the time, this black T-shirt that just said Cash um, across the front of it. Um, if, if you looked at the, at the sleeve, you could see it said Johnny Cash, but the, you know, the, the, the front just said Cash across it. And so I had I worn that to the bridge one night and um, you know, led worship and went great and everything. It was an older fellow who kind of grabbed me after I was done. He explained an, it. an older fellow, let's go ahead and say... That was of the Caucasian persuasion. He, he was mighty white, um, and uh, he, uh, he he grabs me. And he says, "I, you know, can I can I talk to you? I've got a concern." I said, "Sure, you know, it's kind of, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're in here, they, you know, they live lives. It's all about chasing money, and I just, you know, just that T-shirt says cash, <laughs> and I just." I just feel like that would give them like the wrong idea, right. make them think you're all about the money, <laughs> and just you know set a bad example for them. I just I'm right. just concerned. Right. So uh, and the thing is, I've been around churches a lot, so I'm pretty used to the old weird white dude that wants to roll up. Everybody's on you. got concerns. Every, yeah. Everybody's got concerns. So yeah. uh, so that's the first half of the story. Well, and then Glenn got involved. Well, and 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 uh, the second half of the story is uh, it. it you know, it came back to me. I mean, and you know, Jed shared with me. You know, the, there have been concerns over my shirt. <laughs> like, you got shirt concerns? What are you talking about? So I found this gentleman that we're talking about, and it's it's fair to say, conversationally speaking, that I landed on his air hose with both feet. 
Um, and that conversation began with, do you know how to play guitar? Because if you don't and you run my guitar player off, you and I are going to have an entirely different relationship here. And it's really just not going to go well. So go back, find him, start begging for his forgiveness and hope that brother doesn't go anywhere based on your behavior because otherwise it's going to get real dark in here my man you know and and to his credit bless his heart he saw that that was uh, a discouraging thing to say to someone (laughs) why you'd want to do it i don't i mean some people just feel like i i gotta help these people absolutely uh, it, but but that was my point to him is you're you're discouraging someone who's giving and I as I told him I said you know Jed comes here doesn't get paid for this this is his he's a volunteer he at that time he was a volunteer he he comes of his own free will and does this and he gets paid to do this everywhere else he goes he does it here for free how on earth are you going to make him feel bad about it I I just I can't even get my mind around the thinking. But go and apologize to that brother in, in 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 direct proportion to how wrong you now know it to be, and he did. Now the I'll tell you the third part of this story is Jed grew up in the church, grew up in 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 uh, sort of that uh, you know predominantly white middle class church. All he knew was somebody said something schmucky, which again, as he said, happens on a fairly regular basis. Then suddenly, unexpectedly. The same person finds him and has a had a complete reversal in his thinking. And Jed had never experienced that. This was a new, strange sensation for Jed. That definitely was a, a new thing. Yeah. And uh and then Jed said to me, like, you know, I don't know what happened, but it's like this guy just had a very <laughs> different view. Yeah, he's like he just suddenly saw the light and I, I said, Well, Jed uh, if you have any more of these kind of situations, let me know, and probably it'll end up working out roughly the same kind of way. Because <laughs> you know, because you have to, you know, the, when we're talking about conflict here, that's about protecting uh, people who are giving it their all from people who, you know, they've got their problems, they have their issues, and whatever that is, and and they think they're helping and whatever else, and okay, fine, but you can't let them, you know take out these these people that are on the front lines and helping and really contributing. Absolutely. I think it's also, and this is another thing we have to deal with that maybe um, a more suburban church just refuses to deal with, there are often situations in which one person is wrong and the other person is not wrong. Right. Thank you. You didn't sit Jed and this other guy down and say, well, we all have a perspective. Right. Maybe Jed should have been a little more sensitive about his T-shirt choice. and No. Uh-uh. You did a wrong thing. You did you a wrong thing. For it. That's exactly right. Jed wore a t-shirt. You were a schmuck. That's 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 the story here. You know. Yeah. There's there's no search for the uh, the area in which we're all equally wrong. Yeah. yeah. That's we see a ton of that in the church. And man, does it it just leads to a a, 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 a nothing gets really resolved. You know, and it just yeah. goes round and round again and. Nobody has any closure behind that. And understand if we want to extend this story. Um, you know, he apologized to Jed. And, of course, it's easy for Jed to forgive. Somebody, yeah, absolutely. You know, somebody's saying, oh, I'm so sorry. That was a terrible thing to say. Uh, it's easy for me to, to let that go. I mean, you know, I got what I asked for. And I, I, I got to vent my spleen uh, towards the guy. So I, I'm not mad about it anymore. The guy, 
was there the next week and the week after that. Kept uh, he, he ended up moving away. But for as long as he lived uh, in the area, he was there every Tuesday. Loved the service. We loved him. Everything was great. We didn't have any problems with that either. Uh, by handling it that way, I think uh, we did a whole lot better than doing what you're talking about is sort of trying to make it be everybody's fault a little bit as a way of trying to get us to get along. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. And really, when we sat down to do a show about kind of some conflict stories here, one of the things we ran into is we don't run into as much conflict as you might think. Definitely. Being in areas which are um, can be dangerous and can be a little conflict laden we've recently just as in just the last month started doing another weekly chapel service in division one of cook county jail division one is a maximum security division of cook county jail if you're having trouble picturing it think of the shawshank redemption but most of it being underground yeah that's literally true it's just like shawshank only more oppressive yeah Yeah. really shawshank (laughs) if it wasn't lit well it's really true that's exactly (laughs) right cinematography yes yes that's really so it is a maximum security division it is Mm -hmm. now it is as we pointed out people who are not have not yet been convicted of any crimes Mm -hmm. but to be entirely honest they probably did them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, not, uh, not as I put it to uh, someone recently, they're not in there for parking tickets. No. Right. But and you would think, um, and we've actually had last uh, last Sunday, Jed and I and our friend Pete, who's heading up this whole jail ministry thing, went in there. There were 35 people, which normally is a really bad thing Yeah, mm-hmm. in a jail chapel service because that's just more people than can behave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you would expect a lot of conflict. And actually we've had, this happens at the bridge, this happened behind bars, really the opposite of that. And why don't you guys talk a little bit about just kind of what that jail experience has been like so far? Well, I can tell you just generally um, dealing with folks behind bars uh, is so different from what you would think. Oh, I mean, yeah. just yeah. so, so different. This is, is not a story from division one, but it, but it, illustrates the principle perfectly we were in a different jail facility about at this point probably about two two and a half years ago and um um we're kind of we've done a service and we're kind of you know sitting and visiting with the brothers afterwards kind of taking prayer requests and there's this big dude i mean just just huge mm-hmm. you know i mean you could just separate your limb from limb and I grab him, and I'm talking to him, and I say, you know, well, Joe, how can I be praying for you? You know, what are we, he's like, well, I do have one thing, man, I could really use prayer. I'm like, oh, okay, well, any, anything you want, you know, what, what do you got? He goes, I need to be more understanding and patient. Because, <laughs> with, with, you know, God's been so understanding and patient with me. Right, and right. I just, you know, I look around at these other brothers, and sometimes I'm not as patient as I should be. Right. And I just, if you could just pray for me to be just more understanding you and patient. Put, you or an eye on that deck, we would have murdered everybody five times over by no now. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Well, similarly, you know, um, this this past week at Division One, I got a guy that's trying to, you know, uh, literally I'm finishing a sermon. He's kind of emotional. Like he's trying to get my attention. So as soon as we're done, you know, I'll go over and grab him. Well, this dude, um, this is a dude with a hard look. Is a big guy. I mean, muscular, big, huge, huge dreadlocks, you know. I mean, and just looks tough. If they were casting Scary Gangbanger for your Law and Order, this would be the guy they cast. Yeah, I mean, th- this dude just you know looks severe, and he comes up to me and he says, "Man, the thing is, I'm just trying to figure out with the word, how do I get more understanding? I mean, I just like I want to, you know, I want to know it. I want to have it, like inside of me. I mean, just how do I get that understanding? Does that make sense? What I'm talking about? And like, yeah." 
Yes, absolutely. And but what was great about it was he was insisting. He's like, I don't know if you get it yet, because it's like I want to feel like it's a part of me. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to. I mean, I know about it. I don't right, want right. I, I want to get into it, man. Right, right. Does that make sense? Right. Do you, you try, like, yeah, no. And most of our conversation was him not being sure that right. I was prepared to accept how hardcore he was about his right. love That's for right. the Bible. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. You know, the the thing about uh, uh, jail is. It's well. I put it this way. I, I think it actually relates to what you're saying about the suburban church, uh, where their idea is we will manage conflict by uh, insisting that everybody is right at least a little bit, and everybody's wrong at least a little bit, and that'll make everybody behave. Jail, in many ways, is the opposite of that. Um, one of the things that actually goes on often at jail chapel services, there's a bit of gang business being mm-hmm. conducted. Um, and um, if you don't do this kind of work, you wouldn't know this. Behind bars, you have to ask permission of a gang leader before you attack someone. Right. Um, if you don't, you will be punished for that. Right. By your own boys. By your own people, and very severely. So you actually have to ask permission um, to do that. And the vast majority of the time, if you ask permission, they say no. Right. They say, yeah, no, you're, 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 let it go, shake it off. Yeah. You know, don't, you know, we're not looking to have not trouble. Not to bring guard attention on us for undue things. Yeah, we're going to all, we'll all be on lockdown. You'll get extra set time on your sentence. Why would you do it? You know, let we, it go. We're just not going to do that. But part of the, but they, sometimes they say, no, you should, we will take care of that. Right, right, um, right, right. And, and I think being in an environment where conflict, if you misbehave, there's a possibility of real consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone will stab you. Yeah. Um, if you say the wrong thing, if you act the fool, someone will, they could just end you. That's mm-hmm. a distinct possibility. People, um, they conduct themselves differently. They, yeah. they know to be serious. There, there's a, a phrase that gets used a lot around gang behavior, which is don't play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a criticism of someone's uh, character to say you play too much. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a bad insult to, to say to someone. You know, you you just don't take things seriously. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not on it. Whereas you know, a lot in the suburban church, there's a lot of people that are playing with everything. Yeah, and they're not they're not. Well, you can take into that Christian sphere where uh, at the bridge behind bar to accuse someone of playing church is Ooh. rough. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. That's that's tough. Well, I'll tell you one more about um, this and throw it to, to Glenn. We're working in another part of the country and, and gang culture varies a little bit kind of depending on where you are in the country. We're working in another part of the country uh, with some guys that are very, very serious in, in the gang world. Like very super duper serious. And, and we're you know, talking about you know problems with ministry and, and works and say, well, here's the bottom line is what we've discovered with the guys in this part of the country, they um, they're really wary of anybody in this gang turning Christian. They're they're not in favor of it. They don't like it. On one condition, though, if you're deadly serious about it, they'll support it. Right. But if they think there's anything in you that's not a, you know a thousand percent committed to Jesus from now on, they'll just take you out because they mm-hmm. don't trust you. They they think right. you're a liability. Right. Right. Um, but that idea of well, if you'll do God dirty, you'll do us dirty for sure. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. That that idea of we don't respect people who are playing with this thing, that's a mm-hmm. universality everywhere that we go. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about it, like, then I think you speak to this, I think this is happening in Chicago, guys who uh, don't get their violation out because they're being Christian but are told if you fall off, it's coming for you. Yeah. Can you explain that phenomenon a little bit? Yeah, you, normally uh, to get out of a to get into a gang, you take a beating, a long beating, uh, in order to get uh, what they call a violation in. 
if you misbehave while you're while you're in that gang, then then they give you a further violation for doing one thing or another wrong. Uh, if you want to get out, they give you a violation out. Another beating. Another beating. And Got to make sure there's consequences so you don't just leave on a whim. Exactly. And in some cases, violation outs are can be, you know, a lot of them, in, those guys end up in the hospital and some of them end up dead. So getting a violation out is a pretty serious thing. Uh, that might be a little word of useful information for people who want to preach to guys about getting out of gangs. Um, uh, but a number of uh, gangs have, no kidding, written bylaws, and it's written into the bylaws, uh, that they can bless people out uh, under certain specific circumstances, and so we usually kind of plead those specific circumstances so we can get and that. Just to clarify, within those specific circumstances, is you doing something to better, like mm-hmm. you can get blessed out if you're going to college, if you're yeah, if you deciding got, to marry your lady and move to the suburbs, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you've got a new kid on the way and, and uh, you want to raise them differently and so forth. Um, uh, so yeah, there's you know, you've got some loopholes there that you can use. Generally speaking, those aren't handed out, but often having that spiritual element puts them in the running anyway. Now, it, t- you, it might take us weeks of cajoling to get them to agree to that, but you, we, we'll be carefully working with that with the leadership. But frequently, they'll say, okay, we'll bless you out, but if we find out that you've backslid on this thing, we'll come and give you that violation out, or we'll just violate you and put you back in the gang and make you work for us now. So... You know, there, there's a that that tends to sharpen the focus. Very. Sure, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think there's a there's a uh, there's a sense that that uh, that there, I think, in people's imagination, that there's a lot of conflict that exists between us and the guys that we work with. And Zero. That's, that's just that's it's it's almost a sad joke. And the the truth is. Uh, the you know part of my job here in Mission USA is working with pastors, and every one of them is almost continuously locked in a bitter conflict with somebody in that church or in the denominational office or the bishop or somebody. Uh, it's you're, that's often their their biggest challenge is sort of dealing with being embattled. Yeah, very very much more so than we deal with even like neighborhood people who aren't. On the Christian thing, there's very little. There's very little actually. There's a lot of circumstantial things trying to stop this work from happening. Mm, yes, but not a lot of people in the neighborhood. Oh, no. no, there's a lot of Christians and church people who try to show up and throw everything apart. <laughs> yes, correct. And sometimes they get conflicted. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, which, um, Jen, why don't you tell the one about um, the guy who? basically counseled himself out of conflict at the bridge while you were just kind of there? Sure, sure. Let's Another say, thing you may not expect of the kind of guys we work with is often, oftentimes, they come to the right conclusion on their own. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. A few years ago, um, uh, we're at the bridge, and the place we were meeting at that time had kind of a lobby area, and so I wandered out in the lobby, and there's a dude um, clearly upset, kind of, you know, that angry pacing that you do, you know, and um, uh, yeah, put my hand on and say, hey, man, is, you, know, you all right? It's like, man, I just, you know, I got issues and concerns. Oh, 
take a seat with me. Tell me about it. What are we doing? And he proceeds. We talk for a good 25 minutes. And he proceeds to tell me uh, there's some dude who done him dirty. And where we began was him. He had clearly decided the only right and just course of action is I just need to take a chair and beat him with it. Right. That's, you know, I don't know why it needed to be a chair. Sure. Uh, but... Uh, that's what Hulk Hogan does. That's sure. what, Hulk, what I'm going to do. That's what Hulk Hogan does. You got my WWHH bracelet on there. Right. Um, uh, but uh, you know that he just I just you know he did me dirty and I just I just gotta you know I gotta take care of it, man. Right. You know right. I'm, I'm not a punk. Can't let right. people think I'm a punk. You know I right. got it. You know just you know. Um, and so and I really and this is true for all of us when we're doing counseling and ministry stuff is it's 99% listening. I mean mm-hmm. you know we have mm-hmm. yes you know not much to say most of the time and with this guy I'm really just giving him the space to vent and keeps talking and keeps talking and towards the end there's kind of a sharp turn and I haven't said anything. Right. I mean I've just right. I've just been you know sitting there like, but you know man you're right. You know I, I just got to forgive man. Right. You know I just you know I can't. I can't be holding things against people. Right. I just, you know, you're right. I got to forgive him. You know, right. I, I just got to, you know, I got to let it go, man. You know, I just, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm, you know, look, I came in here and I wanted to beat him with a chair. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, because I got to forgive. Right. Is, is, what I, is what I need to do, you know. Yeah. Well, brother, I'm really glad we had this talk. <laughs> Contrast that with, uh, with a. Uh, we had a guy, and we talked about this, I think we've talked about it a couple times on the last stories when we did. Unfortunately, there are some people who just show up the bridge unmedicated. Yeah. And one yeah. of them was a dude who had some serious problems. Yeah. It, rocking back and forth and repeating phrases and generally right, just... Right. An, we're, and we're fine with anybody being in the service who wants to be there, but there's a certain inability to behave oneself where you become both a distraction to the service and you jeopardize your own physical health. Yeah. There's a lady at the bridge, Miss Patricia. We adore right. Miss Patricia. She's in her 70s at this point, but she had part of her job at this church is they bring guys from a uh, work release facility who are still technically incarcerated, and they come work for her during the day. And she whips them dudes into shape. Yes, they love does. her, and they yeah. love her. Yes. And this dude had who the guy we're misbehaving we're talking about had been a little short with Miss Patricia. Ooh. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> One of the reasons you don't do that is we've got our man, Adam, out front. And I think it's either Jed or Peter Kimmer is having to explain to this dude why you can't stab the guy. Right. And he's he wants to be with us, but he's right. not. He's like, but you're telling me, because he, he was mean to Miss Patricia... Right. And Miss Patricia and God are, you know, they're they're one and the same. So right, right. I I want to believe you, Pete, but you're going to have to convince me that God right. doesn't want me to stab this dude. Right. Well, to that point, I mean, to, to explain very directly, these guys, the guys we work with have a very clear understanding of a man of God or a woman of God. Mm-hmm. That person is a, is a representative. That is a status. It's a status. That person is a representative of God. They are an ambassador of Christ. That's right. To disrespect a man of God, to disrespect a woman of God, is to disrespect God. That's right. Which goes to the, because in the gang culture, if Jed is a one of Glenn's lieutenants, Mm-hmm. And he comes and says something to me, and I pop off to him. He in that he is in Glenn's stead. Right. Yes. So yes. I have I have in all functional made that disrespect to Glenn. That's right. And they see the man of God, woman of God thing. It's exactly the same way. Yeah. It's just a representative. That's right. Well, both Pete and I ended up talking to him, and it was a clear thing. I have to say, I I know you're upset. You have every right to be. 
I, I promise you we'll handle it. We'll, we'll take care of it. But he needed to be convinced that it would be handled. Yeah. Because right. otherwise, he was definitely going to handle it his own well, way. Well, why wouldn't God want me to go ahead and, and take him off the boards? Because... God would respect that. Yeah. Sure. He's, you know, if he's disrespecting a, a woman of God, that's just... Surely that's what you do. Absolutely. Which really, that's some of the kind of conflict we deal with, especially with the bridge, a little different behind bars, especially the bridge, is that kind of thing of us having to almost pull someone off being a little too serious yes. about the Lord thing, saying, <laughs> yes. I, I respect your hustle. Right, right. I respect your intensity. I, I know exactly what you're thinking. And sure, I don't I'm blame with you. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But you going back to jail isn't going to help any That's of us. Right. So why don't we just walk it back? Yeah, yeah. Stabbing is uh, is bad. Let's which, not do that. Which again, the the contrast of what we do and what maybe us urban church pastors do is when we talk to pastors, especially Glenn. You know, there's a lot of I got to get, I got to motivate these people and whip them into shape and right. get them all point in the right Motivation is not an issue. No, no not for us, us, it's more no. containment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's really more along the way. Well, there's a story we've been we've been holding off on. We really want to share. We had to get some permission. We're gonna keep all these names anonymous. I love this. But we've been talking about conflict. And we've been talking about the way suburban churches handle things, and it's all gonna come together here. Yes. (laughs) Jed or Glenn, whichever one of you wants to give us the setup to this story. Jed, go ahead. We have a friend uh, in another part of the world who worked at a uh, at a church and is a, a wealthy church and you know a, a pastor who's a known person and um, the uh, and he's known in part for writing. He's mm-hmm. you know written. You know, he's got books at the Christian bookstore. Exactly right. And um, and he was going to try and do some mentoring and 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 counseling with a, a person again is a, a friend of ours. Who's working for him at, at one time, and um, so they're they're sitting out on a, a porch. It's kind of a you know really beautiful a scene. veranda, if you will. A veranda, you know. There's rolling hills mm. and meadows. One, one assumes mountains in the distance. You know, a, a gentle doe mm-hmm. <laughs> crossing <laughs> in the background. Um, and um, you know, Cr- crickets are chirping. Exactly right. Birds singing songs. Um, but uh, this this pastor uh, is known uh, to enjoy a, a little bit of wine, or right. or a lot bit of wine. You know, and he's 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 had. You mean like dur- during communion? No, I mean I mean afterwards. You mean know. like a glass of wine with dinner? M- maybe several. Um, okay, but but he's 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 had several. You know, at this point, but they're right. they're sitting out on the porch, and and he's enjoying. In one hand, an uh, uh, ice cream novelty treat, uh, uh-huh. an ice cream sandwich, um, uh-huh. and and in the other hand, he, he's got a, a big uh, cigar. Just tell this dude how to live life, how to make decisions. Exactly. I'm just going to break it down for him and tell you how to really think things through and, and get after it. As I as I often say in my books. Absolutely right. And then he gets kind of a funny look <laughs> on his face all of a sudden. Love and, uh, it. <laughs> and proceeds to yak all over himself. <laughs> it's it's so sudden and so forceful. He's not able to, to lean forward. It's still funny to me. He just barfs straight out on himself. No, no warning. No. Yeah. Hey, I need to excuse myself and adjourn myself to the other room. Now, is this because of the, the amazing flood of wisdom that he doesn't want to cut? I gotta, I gotta get this out. You know. Well, you know. Is it that it just? snuck up on him that you know 
is it is, is it a case of just so much wine you you're just you know well, as we understand we say we were talking to this friend we got a little bit back story a big dinner yeah yeah couple of magnums of wine <laughs> cigar and ice cream sandwich <laughs> And my vision is always of the infant spinning up down his shirt. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's right. moving, yeah. just kind of the mouth opens. Yeah. Just just kind sort of, of, yeah. yeah. Well, here's here's why we're telling this. Two reasons. A. It's hilarious. It's, it's super funny. I mean, we spent, this is not an exaggeration, we spent hours going oh, over. We broke this down. Bro, how does this go, like... You know, is is there no warning? You know, you're sitting on the porch swing there, yeah. and uh, you know, did did he feel it coming? And maybe just felt like, you know what, I'm not going to make it. So, you know, anyway, yeah. So reason one is it's super duper funny, but reason two is as we deal actually both with folks at the jailhouse and and with young people online. Here's one of the commonalities: is they have in their brain the idea of the super Christian, right? That yeah. they could never be. This amazing person that's totally lined out and squared away and just thinks deep thoughts all the time and just always knows what to say and gets everything right, doesn't ever look at naughty things online, and mm-hmm. just you know, is, is totally, totally squared away. And we bring it up not to make fun of this guy, but to say this is, uh, this is one of those guys that people do think, well, he's the super Christian. Right. And the, the, the thing you need to know is it's not like that. Right. We're, we're, we're actually, we're all, we're all sinners. We're all fallen. We're all super duper imperfect. Mm-hmm. We've, we've all got issues. The, the, thing, the thing that we really appreciate and respect about the guys that we work with behind bars, guys in gangs, here's what happens when you sit down, if you're a man of God, when you sit down with a guy from a gang. Step one is, I'm going to now tell you every wrong thing I've ever done. Right. Yeah. If every first conversation I have with a dude that's gang involved begins that way. Right. I'm not asking them to do that. Right. Uh, they insist. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. you'd probably prefer if they didn't. Absolutely right. They insist, here is now everything I have ever done wrong. And the reason they do that is not some sort of show of you know humility or something. It's just they don't want me to be confused about who they're dealing with. That's right. Um, and the thing about it, and I wasn't, of course, I, I kind of knew what the deal was before we sat down. But mm-hmm. the, the thing of it is, when we begin from a place of humility and we say, look, I got problems, I got issues, but I'm going to be serious about this thing. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm willing to tackle the tough issues. When we begin there and then we move forward with that kind of determination and Lord's strength, there's no stopping us. Right, right. We, we may begin that journey behind bars. But if we're willing to be honest and real and courageous, there's no stopping how far we can go with the Lord or the things the Lord can do through us. Well, and, and to pick up on what Jed's saying there, the, there's also uh, an element of the story where our buddy who's, you know, involved with this guy, the, the, the uh, spontaneous barfer, <laughs> uh, Is that anything like the casual vacancy? Something like that. The the uh, he's involved in the it, with him and is experiencing what I think a lot of people out there are experiencing in their church experience of he's been published. He must be totally lined out he's and squared away. He's a known guy. He has a large church. He has to be yeah some sort of a important figure. He's holding a cigar. And an ice cream. He didn't understand. He didn't finish the ice cream sandwich <laughs> and then get him a he cigar. Didn't choose. He didn't He's just had a giant quantity of wine. 
And he is going, going double barrel. He is going double barrel at this thing. And you still don't have a sense. Maybe this guy has no idea. I mean, to, to me, I'm looking at this guy and saying, I don't think he's got it together. I, I think he's got some issues here. I'm not judging him for that. I'm not looking down on him. But I'm definitely not seeing him as a great man of God. Well, it also that. blows apart, which we've talked about quite a few times on the show, the, uh, the theory of if the Christian book industry decided to publish this dude, it must be vouching for his exactly. character and spiritual maturity, and he must right. inherently have important things to say. Yeah. I mean, if it takes him barfing on himself to burst the bubble of whatever, the, you know. And to be clear, it definitely burst the bubble. And that's a turn of horrifying phrase. That's a, it's a good thing. You know, uh, uh, wisdom is good whenever it happens. But this is the thing is uh, we're suggesting that you look at the people that, that, um, that pastor you, look at the people who write the books that you read, and say, what have these people accomplished for the kingdom? And in terms of uh, have they done stuff with missions? Are they doing stuff with a youth ministry, for example? Are they doing count- couples counseling ministry if they're writing a book about marriage or relationships and stuff? Do, do they have some sort of experience, frontline, one-on-one, human-being-to-human-being ministry experience that would give them that kind of expertise of how they could, you know, share stuff. Because unfortunately, you know, we we, we get in that position of someone says, I, I've, I'm reading this book, and we are having flashbacks to ice cream sandwiches and cigars. Yeah. And we can't really tell that story. And you don't want to be the guy that tells that story, sure. you know, and mention the guy's name. So you, you end up saying, well, I don't think that guy's not that great. So maybe, you know, like, well, I guess somebody's jealous of how yeah. the sour grapes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, it's not like that, but it's like, you know, just maybe do some deeper investigation. You know what I mean? It's just, you, you there's no way of uh, helping people figure that out. It's really, they have to do the work on their own to, to, to recognize if you suspect if you if you're just not getting fed you can't it's okay for you to say i need to move on here and you don't have to say it's it's probably me yeah mm-hmm. because he's known or he's on whatever well to piggyback on what you're saying you the way to move forward and the way to grow as a christian is to do what these guys and gangs do which is to confront your issues head on that's right say so here's here's what i'm struggling with here's what i'm dealing with i'm gonna find a way to move forward on that your pastor needs to lead the charge on that your pastor needs to lead by example by addressing the issues in their own life, confronting the issues in their in their own life. Again, we're not making fun of this guy, and we're, we're definitely not trying to be mean. We've all, we've all got struggles. But we tell this story as a way of illustrating this is a place where we've been ignoring issues to a point of extremity where mm. now it's ridiculous. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, where, yes. Where we, there, we have been um, you know, sweeping stuff under the rug and ignoring and ignoring and ignoring for so long, it's gotten to a place of being comedically absurd right that's right you deserve to have a pastor in your life whether that's the person on sunday morning or the person that's writing the books you read that is as determined to move forward in their walk as the men and women we deal with behind bars are um Mm -hmm. if someone isn't determined to be handling their own issues again with that same level of grit they don't deserve the right to be your pastor Um, they don't they don't deserve the right to, to, to speak into your life and you should in the same way the gang guys that we deal with insist that we be as hardcore as they are. They're, they're sizing us up all day, every day. Are you as committed as I am? They're, they're making us pass that challenge. You owe it to yourself to do the same thing with the spiritual mentors and advisors in your own life. 
Absolutely right. And I think that goes back to kind of where we started with this of how we are, our entire kind of ministry identity is formed by this environment and the way it looks at things like confrontation and conflict. Because, again, we're not making fun of that dude. We're making fun of throwing up on yourself while holding an ice cream sandwich and a cigar. Because that that's is, hilarious. That is to be made fun of. <laughs> but he's just... I mean, a, the, you're on the porch. Just turn two feet to the right. Project it yeah, off just the being porch. clear of the story we told. This guy didn't move his head at all. I mean, just block it out in your mind. How does this happen? What's the? What he just this went with like? it, man. Yeah. All, right, all right, the podcast will be four hours long. If we get caught in the logistics of this again. Believe me when I say we've had two hour conversations. About this. But what we're saying is that not only is we're not making fun of that guy. Also, he's a little bit of a product of a conflict averse environment yes because yes. if he's pulled this in front of our buddy who was a kind of a low-level staff member in this organization odds are he has done similar things in oh, front sure. of elders oh, sure, yeah. and publishers and they all said well he's the famous one he's the right, and again right. we don't name names on the show normally and this isn't this is not this guy but if you look at a different situation and this is so public we can say it, the mark driscoll thing mm-hmm. by the time that got to nuclear there was literally a decade Mm-hmm. Of people saying, we've been telling you he acts like this yeah. for right. 10 years. Yeah. Right, 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 but right. there were publishers and um, kind of elders of this church and other people who all were making money and all were just kind of in this idea of, yeah, but who's to say? And, you know, you say you were abused. You say you were yelled at by me, but you probably had some complicity in. We right, can't yeah. take all the responsibility yeah. for the whatnot. Right, right. And now a church that had, because we looked it up. A ten million dollar operating budget is gone. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Unless Marcel it's six, Marcel's exist. gone mm-hmm. because eight, five, eight, ten years ago, nobody looked at the dude in charge and said, "You can't act like that." Right. You have to take some responsibility for this. And one of the things we end up doing a lot is admitting when we screw up. Yes. To the guys we work with. Yes. And that goes all the way to the top. And Glenn, why don't you close us out with this story? Absolutely. Of, let's close out with the story of the time Glenn was wrong. That's, abs- <laughs> that's absolutely right. And it's a perfect way for us to do this because it, it, you know, we have to demonstrate that we're ready to take our own medicine yep. on that stuff. Because um, none of the guys we work with are willing to buy someone who doesn't sin. Right. No. So if we're not willing to admit we're wrong, that starts to smell funny after a while. Oh, absolutely right. Um, we had a situation uh, at the bridge where there was a, uh, one of our guys, uh, and this is true for a certain percentage of our guys. They really just don't like to have their picture taken. You know, in some cases they're known uh, for things and they're kind of wanted, and they don't want the picture floating around and stuff. And that's it's an understandable thing. It's an okay thing. Well, one of the other guys was taking pictures and you know was going to send it to his girlfriend or something. Here's me. Behaving. Here's me in church. Very excited and wanted his girlfriend to know he was behaving for once. That's what you call an easy win. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the guys was saying, I I don't like to have my picture taken. Can you ask him to stop? And it's a completely reasonable request. It's also one of those things where his girlfriend's going to see it. Nobody else is going to see it. Well, and also it's the thing where we're all, especially Glenn, kind of running around trying to balance a lot of plates on Tuesday nights. And it was, um, and this will kind of, color make the fact that Glenn apologized for this in the end even more of a thing because it's pretty understandable we'll have a lot and this guy the guy recording had done before of people like videoing the sermons on sure. their phone mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this the the guy making yeah. the complaint had come to Pete and said 
hey, this guy's taking pictures and recording stuff, and I don't like right. that. So by the time that got to Glenn, it was so and so's recording the thing. But so okay, people yeah, do that I, all the time. Just yeah. I think the solution at the time was why don't we just move him to the front row? Right, right. Exactly so there's right. no one else in the way, and that'll be exactly, great. Exactly right. Yeah, uh, and and then it it, you know, it did, but it did eventually filter back to me. You know, no, this guy's like taking sw- sweeping panoramic shots of the whatever, and uh, it's really well, filling the frame. Yeah, one of the guys really didn't like it, and uh, so on and so forth. And and I, th- not making excuses, you understand. I had about fifteen other things going on, all of which were higher priorities. Uh, it was a it was a d- decision to bump that down, and so on and so forth. And it's one I have to take responsibility for. Well, afterwards, um, he after the service, he kept doing this. All, I don't know what he's trying to do, but you know, he just kept taking pictures. And um, the guy again did not confront the, the the brother that was taking pictures. He went to one of our staff guys, Pete, and did exactly what he was supposed to do, which is to calmly say, you know, I, it bothers me. I. I I don't want to be a pain, but it's just I'm one trying of to those, tell on anybody. But yeah, it's just one of those things. And the guy sort of overheard this that was taking the pictures and decided he was going to weigh in. Weigh in. Now this guy that we're talking about has mental health problems. So yeah, the guy taking the pictures. The guy who's taking the pictures has mental health problems. So, uh, and we all knew that. So that's another part of the story. Here is just ignore him. He'll do whatever weirdness he's on and whatever. Um. Uh, but um, so there was a little bit of a conflict there. We were able to. I came in and found out uh, about the guy with the poor mental health uh, side of it that he w- had acted inappropriately, and I had a short discussion with him. And immediately he was saying, "It's it's my fault. I I reacted poorly. I'll go apologize." I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. it was nothing to it. So I thought, well, okay, fine. You know, just you know, these things happen and. Uh, uh, and and so it was all over. I didn't find out till afterwards that they'd had a little bit of a conflict, and that this guy had really done exactly what we wanted him to do by coming to us and whatever. And um, and I said, Pete, I, we owe this guy an apology. It doesn't matter that there were other things going on. It doesn't matter that it's kind of a small issue that your picture being taken is something you could just put up with if you wanted to. That doesn't matter. You expect to be able to come to that service and be protected from people's weirdnesses, and we work hard to do that. And you also expect if you uh, if you express a concern to us, you have the right to expect that we would address that and deal with that. And um, I told him that in exactly the same language I told you. I, I I stopped him. I looked him dead in the eye. I actually went. We went. We missed him, but we went to see him uh, where he stays. Uh, and uh, uh, looked him right in the eye and said, here's here's what you need to know. This is my fault. If you're looking for somebody to blame, it's me. It was my responsibility to make sure this got taken care of. You did everything you were supposed to do. You handled it perfectly. I screwed up every piece of this. There are reasons why that happened, but there are not excuses to that. And so I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not going to ask you to take any excuses from me. It was unacceptable behavior, and I am I am going to do everything in my power to make sure this does not happen again. And that and this is not the first time that I've had to do that, make an apology to a guy like that. Um, but it, it's it's um, 
and and again, it doesn't matter that there are other mitigating things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That doesn't matter. It's not you were a little wrong for the way you handled it, but he was a little wrong for being bent out of shape for having his picture taken, yeah. so why don't we all just... Exactly right. That that would be the wrong way to look at it. A perceived slight is as bad as a real one, in many cases worse, because you could take responsibility for something that's mm-hmm. that's really happened, but if it's just a perceived thing, then that just festers. And that's what we're trying to, to deal with there, is just to take away all lingering sense of anything where I'm saying you, I'm taking all this and putting it on me and saying look at me if you want to be mad at somebody be mad at me and that, this is a semi-brave thing to say to a guy who's about a foot taller than I am but uh, with a huge tattoo of the devil on the back of his shaved head there's that also um, but this is um, this is what uh, what we want to do to make it clear to these guys we care about you. We love you. Absolutely. Right. And this is what being a leader is about. It's taking mm-hmm. responsibilities, taking the blame when it's on you. Um, and, uh, and of course, the guy was happy to accept my apology and, and, and you know, was happy to attend the service and all those kinds of things. But that's important. Well, it's another thing I'm looking for coming from the top down. Um, it's a, it is a fundamental life skill to be able to deal with conflict and confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, just to pretend like it doesn't exist is not going to help anyone in any kind of discipleship relationship. And you don't get there. We do a lot of kind of the way we our topics at the bridge. If you, if you have bridge box, you understand kind of what we're saying here is topics that people have submitted. So it's a question mm-hmm. basically. Something. And we get a lot of stuff about conflict. We get a lot yeah, of stuff man. about my family's driving me crazy or there's this thing at work and I don't want to. But. So we do a lot of preaching and talking about how you should handle that. But all that flows from this kind of thing Glenn's talking about of people who are in charge modeling. If we tell Mm -hmm. somebody, you got to be humble and you got to admit when you're wrong, they have to have examples Mm -hmm. of us from the stage talking about, here's a time when I was super wrong Mm -hmm. and I helped myself. And it's infinitely more effective if you get up there and say, here's a time I was wrong that you guys know about. Right. That's right. I was humble. And you, we all know it flew out this way. That's right. So yeah. You, you, the last thing you want to do is avoid a situation like that and make it look like you're not willing to admit things because you'd look like a real jerk and you wouldn't be able to tell them anything about it. Better to, to take your medicine and say, I made a mistake here. This isn't, you know, I, I'm i not going to take an excuse on this thing that I might have on it because it doesn't matter. What matters is from the point of view of this guy who's attending this service, you know, uh, I, he, he ought to be able to attend that service without anybody kind of getting in his face and being weird with him and whatever. And I told him, I said, I know you understand we have one or two guys in here that usually have some mental health issues. And then we try and rotate them out and get them to a place where they're getting the care that they need. I know you understand that some of those guys get a little out of pocket, but this was beyond what I can ask you to put up with and beyond what anybody should be expected to put up with. Uh, and he said, he, and, and he said to me when we were talking about it, he says, well, I have a, a thing with anger, you know, that I get angry easy. I said, I hear you. But all the same, do, that part doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, you know, I uh, that's he was trying to find how he was wrong in the situation. Yeah, I, let him go I, 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 yeah, I said that does that part doesn't matter. You know, uh, uh, I, I you get me angry if you have somebody barking at me. So, you know, that's this is this is a common thing. 
uh, it doesn't matter that uh, uh, I can't ask you to have handled that situation any better than than you did. Uh, so in my mind, uh, you know, that's zero percent your fault. It's a hundred percent mine because it should have been handled differently. And and again, that squashed that thing. And we're not going to have any, you know, lingering anything on that. That's why we do it that way. That's absolutely right. Well, we hope you enjoyed these stories of conflict and confrontation, which uh, we didn't really think it was going to go that way. But sometimes we just can't help ourselves. We hope you've scrubbed the mental image of a grown man uh, vomiting all over himself. In this case, you haven't. I went ahead and mentioned it one last time. I mean, you you got your, your you, 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 I know. Your, no, one, no one in the audience is enjoying this as much as we are. By the way, I mean, you could. All right, we've had a lot of fun today. We hope you enjoyed the stories. We'll be back with a regular episode answering your questions next week. We're gonna take you out a little outro song. Thank you for that. Uh, we ended up talking about. Uh, a lot of kind of confrontation. We also, as we enjoy doing these stories episodes, got to talk about kind of the guys we work with at the bridge and behind jet and behind the bars in jail, behind the bar, behind bars in jail. We do worship songs, acapella. We do them call and response. So this is a time we did that kind of thing at the bridge with one of Jed's jail songs that our friend, the pool house guru mixed it. So this is the pool house guru take on Psalm 2710. I'm going to take it out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. We don't he didn't make, think of one. They, they don't make you barf on the porch. <laughs> the ice cream sandwich. Uh, here we go.
God.